Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. What's happening, everybody? It is Eric J. Olson, and I am here for another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I want to bring my guests in right now, and we'll hear from her in just a second. All right. Miss Ziderman is a managing partner of Miller Ziderman in Manhattan and Westchester, New York. She's extremely well qualified to handle complex financial and custody divorce cases. Named a 2019 10 Best Family Law Attorney for Client Satisfaction by the American Institute of Family Law Attorneys, Miss Ziderman is also a certified divorce financial analyst, a founding member of the American Academy of Certified Financial Litigators, that's interesting, and a member of the panel for Attorneys for Children. Hello, Ms. Ziderman. Hello, Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I, I, I must say, this is quite a bio here. Uh, I mean, short, but packed. There's a lot of interesting things. You're a founding member of the American Academy of Certified Financial Litigators. Good for you, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do that I didn't actually already cover in the intro. Sure. So I am a managing partner of a divorce and matrimonial firm. That's what we focus on. And we focus on issues regarding prenups, postnups, custody, complex financial issues. We are a firm of about 45 people, and we started our firm in 2013. Um, prior to being a divorce attorney, I had actually been in the fashion business, and then went through my own divorce and decided that people needed really responsive attorneys and that I could be that attorney. And so we've built a firm of very responsive, very well-skilled attorneys. That is excellent. So two locations, which came first? Westchester came first, although my practice had always been based in Manhattan. So I guess they were really simultaneous. We, we opened both on, I think it was November 26th or 27th, 2013. And they both built very fast and furiously. Oh, wow. Oh, good for you. That's, that's really, really interesting. So hey, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of your clients and like your clients. Needs. So what are some of the biggest challenges that your clients face? So for my clients, what they most often face are the stresses of both child custody issues and financial issues. And because we deal in the complexity of child custody, we often deal in litigation. So parents who are disputing parenting time and or disputing how decisions need to be made, whether it be by one parent or by both parents, whether there be a final decision-making parameter for the parent to be making for the children and what the schedule for the child will be. So that takes care of the custody issues for the most part, although I've simplified them greatly yeah. because there's also relocation issues, particularly during the pandemic that we're encountering, as well as quarantining issues and vaccination issues and therapeutic, you know, dilemmas and all sorts of, of issues that come up every single day. The pandemic has made it much more difficult for parents who maybe could have sorted out certain issues to sort out the complexities of the pandemic, whether to quarantine, not quarantine. You know, now we're getting into the new vaccinations for children as of today, I think. Yeah. And that will be a, an issue that 
parents are going to have to agree on or one parent is going to have to make the decision. So for custodial issues, those are, I would say, the big scope of them. And then as for financial issues, it's equitable distribution because we have equitable distribution in New York, equitable distribution of marital property. What is separate property, whether it is inheritances or premarital property that someone is claiming a separate property, and then whether they can trace or prove that separate property or whether it's been commingled. And then we deal a lot with executive compensation packages. So, and how to deal with those compensation packages, whether it be um, restricted stock units or options and whether those are incentively based or based for past performance and then how they get divided. And then of course this child support and alimony and add-on expenses and tax issues. So that that's what we spend our days doing. It sounds like it could be very complicated, especially as the net worth of individuals increases. Absolutely. There, there are complexities. And, and frankly, you have to know what those issues are going to be. So not only are there the complexities, but there's making sure that you can spot the issues for people. Because, you know, tax issues very frequently come up, you know, when you're dividing even items such as restricted stock units and one spouse is going to be keeping the restricted stock units and paying out the other spouse, taxes need to be kept in mind, dependency exemptions, child tax credits now, which is what we address. And of course, tax season is right around the block. So we've been dealing a lot with taxes. And then, of course, there are the people who, who have refunds and whether to roll those refunds into the following year, whether to how to divide those refunds and indemnification agreements for people who don't trust the other spouse is reporting their income correctly or their expenses if they're in their own business. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> you throw taxes in and it gets uh, extra complicated. Huh? What, what are, uh, so I, I'm guessing that sometimes when clients come to you, they've already tried to kind of figure these things out and it's fallen apart. What are uh, like what what are some common mistakes that maybe they they make uh, when they come to you when when they've tried that on their own? Well, sometimes they've signed something, mm. right? So sometimes they have signed an agreement that is partial, and it may not be the agreement that they necessarily wanted to sign, or maybe they felt that they were under pressure to sign, or maybe they didn't have enough information. And then as more information is procured through the discovery process, they realize that maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they gave up something that they should not have given up. They also sometimes spend too much time, I would say, in mediation, trying to resolve something with little hope, frankly, of resolving it because both people really can't be on the same page without the proper information. So I would say sometimes there is too much time and money that goes into what they hope will be this quick and easy process known as the mediation process. But unfortunately, with the limited information in that process, they can't really make decisions that make sense for them. Yeah, got it. Yep. Wow. Um, I've never gone through that myself. Thankfully, so, and, and hopefully never will. <laughs> right. You should try to keep it that way. Yeah. Well, you know, so uh, at Array Digital, we are a digital marketing agency. We work with a lot of lawyers, but we're always interested to know what people are doing to, to kind of like find their clients and be successful when it comes to finding new clients. So let me start off by asking you, how do you go about finding new clients? I know you have two offices. I'm guessing that that kind of plays a little bit into your marketing. It does, but clients frankly, find us. I mean, we don't go out and look for clients. Clients find us. They find us mostly through word of mouth. Sometimes they find us online. 
based upon referrals or recommendations, et cetera. But for the most part, they're going to ask their friends or their coworkers who they may have used during their divorce action. And they're going to feel confident in knowing that they have someone who they trusted, who went through the process and was satisfied. And that's how most of our business comes in. Now, I would say in addition to that, we do a lot of publishing of articles, lecturing for CLE programs and other programs. We have a good presence on our website and on LinkedIn and on Facebook. But for the most part, it's referral business. Yeah. And referral business is always the best business, right? And the second is someone that doesn't know you, but they find you and they see what you've put out in the world and they're compelled to call you and they already know your story. So that's great. Love it. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, the articles that we write and that I write, they really give my point of view of the process. And so if people connect with that point of view, that helps. I have a blog on psychology today, which I publish usually an article once a month dealing with mental health issues that occur um, during marriage and divorce. So that is a way that people sometimes connect with me. I also usually post about financial issues. I've written many articles in the New York Law Journal, and I've attended a lot of podcasts. I've been guest, a guest speaker on a lot of podcasts. So people understand who I am before they necessarily get to me. And even if they've been referred, that's a place for them to figure out if I'm the right person for them. Yeah, exactly. So, you, you know, you, you've mentioned a lot of different avenues for getting new clients, uh, certainly referral based, but then everything else, there, there's a lot of different strategies you have at play. Which of those do you think is is really working well for you? Like maybe maybe substantially more than any other? I'm going to say the referral base, you know, and sometimes, by the way, it's not just our client who refers. Sometimes it could be the other spouse. Many times we have the <laughs> opposing spouse who has appreciated the work that we have done for their spouse. They may not have been happy about the fact that we did such good work for their spouse, but they also appreciate that we have negotiated well or been thorough in the discovery process, been fair in our billing. All of those things go into play, and sometimes they will refer friends or colleagues to us. That, of course, is the most flattering type of referral that there is. I could imagine that if, you know, the, uh, in a divorce, if <laughs> one party refers the other to you, yeah, that, that is extremely flattering and extremely surprising to me. Yeah, no, we actually um, have those referrals. I would say in the last month, I probably had about 10 of those referrals. So it is, um, it's always interesting to me, but I, I wow. do think that we do a very thorough job for people and we are responsive and we make sure that we actually look at the documents. You know, it's one thing to get the discovery. It's another thing to make sure that you understand and that you've examined the discovery. And I, I think that sometimes there's the hunt that attorneys get very involved in the hunt, but then the documents come in and they never look at the documents. We look at yeah. the documents. It makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Gotcha. All right. So for this coming up year or two, uh, you know, the, the world is changing. It's changing kind of back to normal, uh, maybe slowly, but surely, but it'll probably change back. But we're, we're in a transition, right? Certainly from the pandemic to, we all know that like, you know, the pandemic's kind of coming to an end soon, hopefully. How is that going to be affecting your marketing strategy and, and, and really like your goals for the next year or two? So my marketing strategy has been the same throughout the entire pandemic and before. It's always to give really good work, to be fair in our billing and to make sure that we're responsive to our clients. Because as I said to you, that's the source of most of our clients or other clients. 
so that that for me is the most important. Yeah. We certainly have a very strong LinkedIn presence. I have a very strong LinkedIn presence. I have a strong website where I put all of my articles that I have published, as well as all of the copies of podcasts that I have, you know, attended and been guest speakers on. And people can find me through that. And I think those are really the marketing tools that we use. And I don't think that's going to necessarily change whether we're in the office 100% or we're in the office in a hybrid type of situation. I'm sure that the courts are going to start to open up more. And for trials, we will be in the court system. But honestly, this idea of remote working has been very, very good for people. And it has saved our clients a lot of money because many times in the court system, we were waiting for hours to have a court appearance. And we were literally, our clients had to pay for that. Yeah. So it, it just didn't make any sense. I can now get on the Zoom or the Teams call with the judge for an hour. We know we have an hour set aside. The Everybody is extremely focused and well-prepared for the hour. And there aren't a lot of distractions. I think that will continue. I think what may end up going back into the courthouses are the trials. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you found that um, in, in the past you were hiring attorneys and staff that were closer to your offices and now you can go a little bit further out? Have you been doing that? So I, I would say that I've always had people who were further out because they were willing to commute, frankly, to my offices. We have a good firm and they wanted to be part of that firm. I think people will be able to live perhaps in their country home or their weekend home or be able to spend part of the week in those homes because they've learned actually how to work from home now. But we were able to do this from the beginning. We were we had a remote system where people could log on from their homes because frankly, we were working on the weekends. So everybody wasn't going to be in the office during the weekends. I like to be able to get up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning and look at a document or work on at five o'clock in the afternoon or be, you know, in the car, frankly, and on my hotspot. So we were able to do all of that before. And this was for us a breeze. We were set up to do it. I think I had to put one extra remote system on when we first entered into the pandemic. Everybody was working from home at one point or another. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you, it sounds like you, you set up the systems in advance, right? And so when this you know emergency came, you were ready. Uh, we, we were in the same situation. It was just a decision that had to be made. And we were going to do something a little bit different. We're gonna, instead of working from home, like say over the holidays for a couple of days or like the week between Christmas and New Year's, like we have been for the last couple of years, it was just going to be longer. It was an experiment, but yeah, I, I think if, you know, firms prepare for it for really for anything and just do good business practices, th they'll be prepared for whatever is thrown at them for the most part. That's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. And, and remember, because we have the Manhattan and the Westchester office and we all go back, yeah. you know, between the two offices, we're really paperless. Everything is in our system so that we can open up our computer in Manhattan and we can open up in our computer in Westchester and I could be at home and my my associates could be wherever they are. So for us, this was really a no brainer. We were up and running right away. That's great. Well, that was really awesome, Lisa. How can someone get in touch with you if they want to ask you a question or just reach out? Sure. So my email address, which is lz at mzw dash law.com or they can go to my website lisa ziderman.com all right fantastic lisa hold on one second uh for any other managing partners that may be watching if you are interested in spicing up your digital marketing and getting more cases 
reach out to us at Array Law. We are Array Digital and we focus on law firm marketing. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you.